Den Talks podcast is powered by denanywhere.com. You guys go to denanywhere.com now, no matter where you live in the world, and you can take our classes virtually and live. Go to denanywhere.com and sign up for just $29.99 a month. You get a limited access to our classes with over 150 a month to choose from. Plus, most of them are archived. So if you can't make the exact time, you can catch them later. We still also have our workshops and our certifications now all accessible to you no matter where you are. Go to denanywhere.com. If anyone has missed, um, if anyone had missed Sean's first episode she did with us, please go back. It was, it's one of my favorite episodes. It's amazing. Obviously it's a more general episode of Sean versus this. We're going to go very specific kind of what's going on in, in today's world. Um, so Sean is incredible, a yogi phenom, and she's just always so impressive. And honestly, I feel like you've, and we'll talk about this a little bit. I feel like everything you've done and become famous for it's like putting you exactly where you're supposed to be right now because you're such a light and beacon, I think in a time of such confusion and chaos for people. And I think you've always been someone, which is why I've always loved you. And we talked about this in the first episode too. You've always been someone who, you know, stood up for what was right. You didn't hide behind yoga. You didn't hide behind the spirituality. You actually use it for activism, creating beyond, I mean, off the mat. So that's one of the reasons I was like, we have to talk because anyone who's been following the podcast episodes um, or takes my classes knows I've been frustrated with the wellness community and I've been really struggling since, um, sorry guys, because I'm just letting people in as we do this. So I'm doing a couple of things at once. Um, I've been struggling with the wellness community a little bit and figuring out the role, what's right, what's wrong, what's right for me, how it makes me feel. And so I was like, oh, you're a perfect person to really discuss this and actually dive in, especially with the election around the corner. Literally, I can't believe that. Um, I really wanted to dig into this with you. So we're going to do this. We're going to hear all of her brilliance. I love her. She is such a dear friend. And it's exactly who you portray yourself to be. You exactly are, which is not always the case. And I love that about you, Jersey girl to Jersey girl. Um, yep. And so, so you feel free to curse if you want to curse, because people always ask that. I'm like, I'm from Jersey. It happens. You just, you can curse on this podcast. It's okay. So um, I would love to start a couple of announcements. Just so you guys know, the next Den Talks Live will be December 5th with Gall doing the astrology of 2020. So I mean, saying goodbye to 2020 and looking to, oh my God, I can't even believe this is coming out of my mouth, 2021, which is insane. Um, I would love it if you would be open to starting us with like a five, 10 minute just grounding meditation to create the space to get us all kind of in our little bubble together. Happily. Um, first of all, hi, everybody. And thank you so much for joining me and Tal uh, in this conversation. I'm excited to, anytime I have an opportunity to chat and catch up with Tal makes me very, very happy. So thank you for just joining us in, in just in this exchange. So if you would, Go ahead and um, get comfortable, like sit up tall. If you're on a chair and um, it's not convenient to come into a cross-legged position, just put your feet flat on the floor with your knees separated, hips width apart. If you can, cross your legs, sit up. You could, put, you could sit up on a bolster if that's more comfortable, but close your eyes. 
with everything that's going on in the world right now, the single most important thing that we can do in terms of our own self-care is to get grounded in our body, is to get as present as we possibly can, to take a moment to recognize the anxiety or the overwhelm or the trigger that we might be feeling, identify those as sensations and recommit to our foundation. The world right now is incredibly fractured. There's this sense because of COVID and national unrest and economic instability that there is a, an uncertainty that is impacting all of our futures. When we experience that kind of fracture within our collective relationships, it's really easy to feel disorganized internally. And when that happens, we wanna create control. And when we try to create control, it turns into anxiety. With anxiety, we try to manage going back to control and the cycle continues. So the best tool that we can utilize in order to get present, get in our bodies, is to breathe, is to turn inward and get still. So bring your awareness straight down to the root chakra at the very base of the spine. And just give yourself a moment to make that connection. Home, family, safety, security, boundaries, health, wellness, all of that exists within that root chakra and it influences our legs, our knees, our feet, spinal column, the immune system, the teeth, the bones. As you ground down, lengthen the spine. Keep your eyes closed, but turn your attention to the third eye center, the Ajna chakra allowing that space to expand. Our work is to move matter into consciousness, to discharge the stagnant energy, the contraction or compression we feel so that we can open ourselves to light, to grace, to love, to compassion, to empathy, to truth. Our work is to remember who we are, and who we are to each other, to trust the process of being, to hold ourselves accountable, and to step into the mystery fully and completely. Bring your awareness to the very top of the head, the Sahasthata Chakra, and receive. For we have work to do. And the time is now, and all of us have been called to wake up and to do whatever we can in order to create a world that is free and equal, just and safe, peace-filled and loving for all beings everywhere. Take a deep breath in. As you exhale, pull the energy down to the root chakra. And then inhale, pull the energy straight up to the third eye.
Exhale, pull the energy down to the root chakra. Then inhale, pull the energy straight up to the very top of the head. Feel that space expand. Exhale completely. And let's just take a moment just to sit. And then lower your chin to your chest. Open your eyes and inhale, come up. Welcome everyone. Thank you. It always makes me laugh when we do that because then I'm like supposed to interview and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, can we all just lie down and snuggle? Yes. Um, <laughs> so, you know, one thing that was coming to me though, when you were doing that beautiful meditation, and I hope everyone really enjoyed it is, you know, when we did our first interview, you told this amazing story that's in your book. And I suggest you get our book if you haven't read it already. And it's in your book, but this was before your book came out and you told that incredible story. I don't remember where you were, but you were walking by yourself at night and you felt yourself, you saw a bunch of black kind of kids and or teen, I don't remember how old, like teenagers, and you got very nervous. And a long story short, you tell the story better than I do. Ultimately, you got it wrong. The person who came to your side was actually someone who was black. And there was a group of white kids and they were like, they are dangerous. Stay away from them. And I remember I get the chills every time I tell this story, because I remember you said you went back to your hotel room and you just lost it because you realized you had a lot to unpack. And the reason I want to start with that is because that story affected me so profoundly from that moment, from that moment of sitting, I remember we were on the stage in La Brea, I just remember shifting completely the way I looked at myself as far as racism was concerned. And it changed everything. And so when, when the events of George Floyd happened, I remember my instinct right away, and I, I think I emailed you or texted you, but my instinct right away was, we have to do better. We have to do more work. And the only way this is going to work is if we all look at ourselves and know that we have it in us to be racist. It doesn't mean we're bad people, but it's in us. And I would not have been able to say that. And I, I said, I was teaching a lot about that in my classes. I would not have been able to say that if it wasn't for you. My point being, you've always been this guiding force of strength of taking a stand, even if it's uncomfortable and taking a stand for what's right and what's wrong. Um, and I've told that story so many times on your behalf, like, and, pan and when things come up, I always tell that story. And a lot of people are like, I love that story. I've read the book. Um, so 
but I, it's why you're the person I want to talk to about all of this, because I remember I emailed you, I think right after George Floyd happened. And I said, like, thank you. Like, this is a really hard time, but I'm looking at this and thinking about this and doing the work and I owe it to you. So thank you. I'll publicly say that. But how, I mean, you did so much work, but when all the, I mean, this has been a year. I mean, it's been crazy, everything that's been going on for someone who takes activism so seriously, especially when Black Lives Matter was happening and COVID, how, what did that bring up for you? Um, well, first, let me say that, you know, a lot of the times, I just want to set that preface, preface that if we are in a white body, there is no way that we can't not be racist. If you understand trauma and the mind-body connection, and that was what I was trying to illustrate in the book, that in a moment of fear and overwhelm, I got triggered, my nervous system got uh, activated, and I was no longer in present time. And when we're not in present time, our nervous systems will revert back to the fear that we know. And what that means is, Ancestral, historical, cultural trauma has an impact on all of us. And so if the information that we received growing up in our school, in our um, education, excuse me, in our religious systems, um, in our family, was fear-based, biased, prejudiced, which it was because our, we're part of the dominant society. We're part of a, uh, of a, of a culture of whiteness. Um, and as a result, when we get activated, we revert back to these old limiting beliefs. And it's in that moment when our racism, our sexism, our homophobia, transphobia, ageism, all of it will come up to the surface um, and create harm. And so I think for a white bodied person, the most important thing that we can do right now is normalize these conversations and take accountability. Just own it. It's the only way we can change it. Um, is by just taking ownership for our experience of it, not being afraid of it, not shaming it. Otherwise, it can't change. We'll just be in our defensiveness, but lives are at stake. And so if we want to dismantle the systems of oppression that exist, it starts here. And that's the deeper work. And so I've been committed to this work for a really long time. Why? Because over the years in my activism, I have caused harm with excellent intention, hmm. but not understanding the impact and immediately felt that defensiveness when I would get called out and feel misunderstood or, or, or I was just helping or I'm just such a, I'm a good person um, and realized that I had to go even deeper. I had to let go of my identity of being a good person for that of a whole person with oh. faults and graces. And so instead of resisting, I would feel the resistance. I'd feel my, and the resistance usually came from embarrassment. I just would, would get embarrassed as if I should know better. And so it would just, I would peel it back, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. And looking at your own internalized racism, I promise you, is 
messy and uncomfortable and embarrassing and humbling. It's all the reasons why we're afraid to go there. Um, it's alive and well when you do. And it is absolutely utterly necessary because we can't expect the world around us to change if we don't. And so this has been my work as, as a yogi. This is my commitment. I don't do this. I, I do this work because I'm a serious yoga practitioner. And the practice tells me that I can't be free unless we're all free. My practice tells me that our liberation is bound. My practice also tells me that we are one. And although I know that to be true, I also know that there's difference. I can walk down the street with my partner hand in hand and never worry that we're gonna get violated, beat up, humiliated, shamed. I can get a visa to any country in the world that I wanna go to. I can go into any shop and never worry that there's gonna be security following me around. But there are plenty of folks in the world who don't have those advantages for no other reason except for their sexuality or their gender or the color of their skin. My advantage comes just simply as the randomness of being born in a white body. And so my yoga demands that anywhere there's separation, I have to, be, be, I have to see that separation within myself and come into relationship with it. So when COVID happened, when the George Floyd murder happened, I did what I always do. I noticed my reaction, fear, overwhelm, grief. I observe any judgment that comes up. I make sure that I'm in present time and I practice and ask myself, what is this moment calling me up to? And is there work that has to be done before I can answer that call with any true sense of equanimity? And the answer, by the way, to that is always yes. There's a shit ton of work that has to be done. And I do it with the intention to be in service. So kind of a long way to answer that question, Tal. But that was really the, the journey. Didn't really change for me when COVID happened or when George Floyd's murder happened. It was an extension of the work that I've always done. It's just like, okay, here we are. Let's go in and let me take accountability for my response to this moment um, and see what, in what ways can, am I capable of showing up? It's interesting because you talked about the ancestral trauma in relation to race, which is so true. And again, we do talk about this on the other episode, but it's funny as you're talking, I'm like everything going on right now with COVID, with the election, with the manipulations that are happening it feels like we're all literally being pushed back to old trauma and just super reactive. Like everyone is super reactive, whichever direction they come out of. Well, Tal, you know, like if I can get kind of, I don't like to bypass, like spiritual bypass is, is one of the things that I resist. I like, like to stay in the humanity. There's a lot of space within the communities of wellness where we love and light things and avoid um, having to look at the shadow. Um, it's funny. A, a thought just popped into my head. Um, I just, I just lost my thought. Please let us know. <laughs> a random thought just popped in my head that had nothing to do with this moment. Um, uh, tell, ask me that question again so I can get myself on track. You, we were talking about kind of ancestral trauma and you were saying basically how people can love and light stuff in this business a little bit too much and they don't deal with the shadow. Um, 
I don't know why there's like, I'm having an embodied reaction of not, uh, I don't know why my, I'm not able to answer this question. Let me see if I can swing back around to wherever this was. Go to another question. By the way, we're going to get more into that area big time. So maybe there'll be another way in because that's hard. That never happens to me, oh, but it's yeah. just like, there's no, my thought will not, my brain will not grab around that thought for now. Well, whatever thought popped in, clearly it needed your attention. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk about in general, the, the and we'll get, we're going to get to QAnon for sure, but I want to talk a little more generally about like, COVID and also just politics in general, you've been very clear, you're very clear on your social media, you're very clear in general, you've been very clear that you are not neutral, mm -hmm. that you were taking a stance. Um, is that new for you? Not taking a stance in life, but taking a political stance, is that new for you as far as sharing who you're voting for or in that sense? Like eight years ago, would you have shared who you were voting for? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I know what my other thought was. Um, <laughs> Although I'm really intrigued why, why I resist, why something in my brain resisted it, that right now what's going on in the world because of the current administration, and this will connect to this question that you just asked also, our world is in trauma right now in a really big way. And what I was saying is that I'm not a big fan of spiritual bypass moving too quickly to the love and light because we have to face the shadow. and. But what I'm going to say is going to sound a little woo-woo. I just want to go to like the bigger spiritual picture, kind of, of why things happen as they do. Please. Um, right now, what this administration has done has excavated from the bowels of our culture the deep systemic racism that has always been there, that folks on the margins have always been evident too, but people with privilege or white-bodied folks like ourselves have been able to distance ourselves from it um, because it doesn't impact us directly. Because of the rhetoric that is being used so incredibly freely, people are in trauma, outraged, scared, overwhelmed, deeply triggered, the the racism that has always existed but has been just covered over has erupted to the surface and a mirror is being held for all of us to have to identify how that trauma that racism that we are a part of that we are participating participating in that we're complicit to that we're benefiting from and because this administration is pulling it up to the surface, and I feel like it's so strategic, it's deliberately uh, triggering people and their ancestral rage, their cultural rage. But when you don't have tools to be able to ground and stabilize, fear will meet fear, hate will meet hate. And right now that that's what we're seeing in our nation. People are divided, they are outraged, they are triggered, and for good reason. Um, why I'm saying that this is spiritual is because now that we see it, you can't unsee it. Nope. Now that folks like me, white-bodied people who have had the privilege to turn our backs on this suffering, we can't anymore. We recognize that this 
there is no going back to normal because the normal that was doesn't work, hasn't worked, will never work. There's a gift in this that if we can maintain the momentum, take accountability, hold our leadership accountable, recognize the ways in which we have participated in this collective separation, maybe we can actually heal our nation of these, of these deep ancestral divides and create a more just and free society for all. So that was the answer to that other question, Tal, um, in relationship to- Worth the wait. Um, yeah. So to me, that's what's going on right now. It's like, and it's hard and awful. And like I said, lives are at stake. And I am not loving lighting this and saying like, everything needs to happen for a reason. And although I believe that that's true, I also believe that it requires action and our willingness to hold people accountable and how we do that is by using our voice, by taking a stand, by voting our values. And so to answer your other question is that, yes, I have always been fairly, I would have to say in the last um, uh, 12 years, I've been very vocal when it comes to politics and unafraid to take a stand one way or another because it, it's, it hasn't been easy in the past. It's easier now for whatever reason. I think my nervous system is more accustomed to it. Um, I think it's important and it's necessary for me to use my platform in a very specific way. Um, although I know that it can um, divide, I have to recognize that when lives are at stake and when attitudes are being perpetuated that create harm, that my neutrality is dangerous. And my yoga practice, again, won't allow me to play nice so that I make someone else feel comfortable. That's just enabling. Um, and I can't, I can't do that. So I have been political. I have been vocal. I mean, I created a uh, co-created an entire organization that has invited people into these deeper level, these deeper conversations and um, have stood by this. So I feel that in this moment of COVID, of, of racial terrorism, with the election coming up, that all the work that I've been doing internally and all the tools that I've been given by other leaders and healers to help me to remain integrated in this moment have been uh, incredibly useful because it's helped me to develop my self-confidence, to trust uh, that the message of, of equity is directly in alignment with the values of yoga and to suggest otherwise would put my yoga practice into question. It's, it's interesting because it does, I'm sure, how do you deal with the response of people in the wellness community who say, you know, but we're supposed to rise above these, you know, earthly bodies. We're supposed to be trying to ascend. That is too base. We're, we're spiritual beings. We're all, I mean, I could give you a million different versions of it, the love and lighting of that. How do you, how do you answer that? How do you respond to that? Um, They're, I mean, they're right. That is what we're doing. Um, we 
are going to ascend these bodies, but not today. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lifetimes practice. You know, we're in these bodies to learn what love heard. is. I just want to make sure everyone heard that she pluralized that. It's lifetimes practice, yeah. not a lifetime practice. Yes, Sorry. lifetimes, meaning that there's a pathway to samadhi that requires so much life and living and experience that part of opening ourselves and transcending the physical form and merging with, with spirit is learning how to be in relationship to our humanity. I don't get to learn compassion without also understanding the nuances of judgment. I don't get to understand forgiveness until I understand the complexities of resentment, that it's all part of the journey towards awakening. And this awakening requires relationships and trial and error and going up against your limiting beliefs and your trauma and uh, embodying your humanity so that I can then look at you and honor your empathy, not from, or rather honor your humanity, not from a place of judgment, but from a place of true connection, this is deep, really complex work. And the tools that we're given, it is an arduous practice that we're probably just spending lifetimes purifying, just getting in our body, just confronting our ego. Forget transcending. We're in the muck of it. And so I... I kind of resist that when people tell me that because I, again, that's spiritual bypass. We can, I can say something like that because I'm not struggling to feed my children. I can say that because if reproductive rights got taken away, odds are I have the, the financial resources to find a doctor who's going to give me the care I need. There's so much that my privilege allows me to love and light. But that's not the case for most people in this world. So how can I open myself to this state of bliss, knowing that by doing that and not naming the divisions that exist and the suffering that is, makes me complicit to it? my responsibility is to orient towards that suffering and change it, especially if I have privilege. So if someone else wants to love and light their way out of taking this kind of an accountability, that's really between them and the God of their own understanding. But that's not my spiritual practice. And I'm not interested in transcending this body because I, there's just too much. I'm a beginner on this path. There's too much yet to learn. Um, and I'm not arrogant enough to believe that I'm even close to comprehending the depth of this deep inner work. And so that's kind of the response that I would have to people. What we're doing is a physical practice that's purifying and we're prepping our nervous systems to be able to begin to get quiet, but that doesn't even come close to the space that we will go to, go towards um, 
as we continue forward on our path. So that's how I would, that's how I would answer that. No, I love that. Cause I feel like that I have a similar conversation a lot too. And people are like, well, it's so, you know, you're just trying to rise, rise, rise. It's like, but you chose this lifetime to be here in this human form on, as on earth to deal with earthly things for a reason. So the idea of kind of considering yourself elevated beyond means you're forgetting in my mind, you made a contract and a choice to be here and you're kind of like running away from it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, privilege allows that. Um, privilege doesn't, it doesn't allow that for most people on this path. So like, I, I just invite people to really go a little bit deeper. Too much right now is at stake for us to rest in the comfort of our own spiritual practice and deny the pain and the suffering and the oppression that is alive and well within our world. We get to be a part of this conversation. That's the gift. We get to name oppression and do whatever we can to heal and end it. That's the gift. We get to feel it all, the rage, the fear, the grief, the passion, the joy, the, the love. This is to be able to steep in these emotions is the gift of this moment. It helps us to understand each, each soul's humanity and the challenges that each person moves through in order to awaken. And when a person awakens, like I said, is between each soul and the, and the God of their understanding. But I gotta stay on my side of the street and really look at what does this practice mean for me if yoga means to come together and make whole and I'm not actively working to end the fractures that exist then my participation in this world is to participate in separation, the opposite of yoga. And so that's my work in this lifetime is to end that fracture. Wow. Um, so speaking of fracture, let's move to QAnon, <laughs> who's been a huge fracture in our, to add to an already existing fracture, I should say, in our country, but also in the wellness community. When did you first kind of, when did you start becoming more aware of his, its presence? I, I mean, I've known about QAnon, um, you know, for, for quite a, for a couple of years, really around Pizzagate. Pizzagate, yeah. And it was absurd. You know, it was, it was laughable, this idea that there was this cabal of progressive left Democrats and celebrities that were part of a sex trafficking ring and, drinking the blood of these children for their own powers. I mean, it was just something that was like, you know, really? Um, so I didn't really give it too much thought. But then after COVID happened, it was just an interesting experience in that people, my colleagues of mine started to reach out to me and sending me information, telling me that COVID was a hoax, that um, mask wearing was uh, part of this conspiracy um, to uh, get us all um, 
basically to become this, this, these sheeps and that Bill Gates was going to be investing in order to vaccinate all of us to control us going forward. You know, that was the basic premise. And I think the first part offended me, the idea that COVID being a hoax when people in my life were dying, yeah. when frontline workers that I know, I grew up in a very blue collar environment back in Jersey where a lot of my friends don't have the luxury to take off time and stay home, that they have to show up for work and they are frontline workers and they are terrified for their lives and they are getting sick and they are dying. When tens of thousands, then hundreds of thousands of people are dying around the world to say it's a hoax when there's this intense grief and unimaginable loss. I felt just personally offended. I couldn't even entertain the conversation. And when I pushed back a little bit, there was a lot of wording that was used that there was a great awakening happening, that we're a part of this matrix, that are you red pill, green, um, red pill, blue pill, um, uh, do the research. So I started to do the research and all roads led back to QAnon, all roads led back to Trump, all roads led back to a level of manipulation that I still find stunning in its brilliance, yeah. that I have never experienced a targeted strategy as deliberate and as cunning as the way in which QAnon has targeted the wellness community using magical thinking and feeling rather than critical thinking as a way to recruit and to radicalize folks. I think that the turning point for me was when someone directed me to a YouTube uh, page of a woman talking about channeling, about Trump as a light worker. That hit me hard, essentially saying that there is this whole thing going on that we, can't, we do not know about, we've been conned, and that Trump, spiritually has been called in to disrupt and dismantle this dangerous deep state that he's going to look dangerous and bad and evil and wrong from the outside, but he's willing to take that hit because what he's doing is ultimately for the larger spiritual purpose of getting rid of the violence and the abuse that's being perpetuated by Democrats and celebrities and going to move us into what's called this great awakening. And I think that that's when I was like, nah, I, I can't get behind this. It wasn't a matter of not being, getting behind it. What was scaring me was that folks were reaching out and students who wanted who were confused because beloved teachers of theirs, family members, were sending them into these rabbit holes of conspiracy theories. 
And they were confused because they loved their family and they loved their teachers. But the messaging felt dangerous. It felt ill-informed. And that's when I decided to become a, a little bit more public and invite people into what was happening and try to explain a little bit more and uh, take a stand against this kind of misinformation at a, such a critical time in our lives. Now with Q, the core is this cabal and all that, but there's ripples that go out. So there's Q soft, which is where a lot of people in the wellness world, you know, kind of live here. Uh, they're seduced by this idea that, um, you know, uh, save, the ch save our children, save the children, um, that they think Q is just trying to end sex trafficking. And that's the part, another part that really was frustrating because Q is using that as a way to draw people in. Um, what I try to explain to people, having worked a lot since 1999 in relationship to human trafficking over the years, both nationally and internationally, human trafficking is not a new phenomenon. And there are incredible organizations that exist in the world that could use financial support to continue the great work that they're doing. What they don't need is to be sent on wild goose chases. What they don't need is to put young people's lives at risk because they're distracted um, uh, or their resources are being redirected elsewhere. Um, or that the hashtag save our children is so flooded that they cannot get legitimate, legitimate claims. Um, this is what QAnon is doing as a way to continue to uh, sever relationships, sow the seeds of, of mistrust, distrust. Um, and they're so strategized that what they're also doing is inventing wellness influencer uh, personas and spending a lot of money to what I'm calling, what I call like pastel Q. <laughs> it's, it's on internet. I mean, on um, Instagram, it looks like an influencer, a wellness lifestyle influencer, super beautifully curated. One day is a post of this person doing yoga. Another day they're walking hand in hand with their child down the beach. The third day, there's a picture of their food. Then the fourth day, there's a beautiful pastel uh, graphic with lovely font that says COVID is a hoax. And then when you slide the, the graphic, there's all this information related to how it's a hoax and it's all QAnon languaging. It continues to lead you down that rabbit hole, but it's in the guise of wellness. And that's one of the ways in which they're strategizing to pull people in to thinking, um, to begin the process of, it starts with COVID is a hoax, ends with Bill Gates trying to control us through vaccinations, and then moves to Donald Trump being a white uh, a light worker to the hashtag walkaway movement to try to get Democrats not to vote at all. Um, and then finally to get Democrats to vote for um, Donald Trump. So it's very strategic and it's very complex. Um, it's, it's brilliant and terrifying. It is brilliant and terrifying. And there's a couple of things you said in there I want to talk about, but one of them you said earlier was 
you know, Q went after the feelings versus the thinking, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting question of the wellness community in general, because I think a lot of what we practice, right, is we try and get out of the head. We're always overthinking everything. How can you lead from the heart? That's where the real truth leads. I mean, I feel like we've heard so many leaders, teachers, I've taught it myself. Um, So it is an interesting thing where then it makes you, now look, I am a thinker regardless, and I'm an analytical thinker. So for me, when the Q stuff started coming up early in March, like right when we went on lockdown, I remember right away just having responses being like, well, that doesn't make sense. And I would even say, let's give this some validity. Like every conspiracy theory has some basis of truth. So even if I was going to give you X, let's play that. It still does not make sense. The first being to me, the Donald Trump with the sex trafficking ring. Cause I'm like, sure, there are sex trafficking rings. Like you said, this is not a new phenomenon. Is Donald Trump the one who's going to stop it? Absolutely not. We know too much about him. We've seen him with people who have been part of this. It's like there's just actual evidence that shows you he is not the guy who's going to do that. I remember hearing things when we first went into quarantine. So that was like March 14th. And it was like, okay, so this is when they're making major arrests with the deep state. That's why everyone's in quarantine across the world so that the people can't leave. They can track them easier. So that's happening right now. And you're like, okay, you can't prove that or not prove that. But then it was like, there's going to be a major internet outage because, and I was like, see, that makes no sense. Trump would never have locked people down and have an internet outage if he can help it because that makes him look bad and he can't handle that with his ego. I mean, I feel like if you do a little bit of thinking and you go and you do the whole trace of it, it fall, it always falls apart. There's something that just doesn't hold it. But like you said, it is hitting on the feeling. And then how do you, again, someone who works in this well, in the wellness community, when we do so much teaching of trying to get out of the head and things don't always make sense, how do you help people rationalize that? Well, it goes back to that, what I said earlier, that our world is in trauma right now, that what's gotten excavated is this sense of deep uncertainty. And it didn't just happen with COVID, it happened prior to that. People are really scared, they're overwhelmed, their nervous systems are completely deregulated. so then Q validates it. Mm-hmm. Q comes in and says, you're scared right now. Like there's good reason to be scared. This thing is happening. And if we can stop this from happening, we'll be better. And it makes you say like, I knew it. I knew something was up. And it, you feel proactive in it. Um, rather than actually recognizing like, holy fuck, I'm actually in trauma right now. And I'm looking for a salve. I like, I'm looking for a crystal or a prayer or something to fix this, to make this go away, to make this moment make sense. And for some people, the messaging of QAnon and the rabbit holes and the community, this sense of connection with people, it, it's answering that sense of, it's speaking to the parts of them that uh, wants to be validated. Uh, if they're a feeling person, like that doesn't work for me because I'm, I'm more, I'm, I'm very Virgo that way. Like it's got to make the pieces have got to connect. Um, but for other people, they, they respond differently. And I also feel like that is a strategy of hitting people at their feeling state and people are incredibly scared and paranoid and this is affirming it. So, uh, this 
so it was the question was how do I address this then to the community? Well, a little bit because it's like one of the things we teach in the community is this idea of like head and heart and where to like sink into. And that's exactly what he's preying on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I, what I want to just reinforce to folks is to use common sense, do the research, do it all, ask questions. But stay in community, stay with your family, stay with your friends, try not to go into isolation, um, which can be very problematic, especially when we're already so isolated. I, all I can do is try to mirror back to the community my feelings about this. And that's when I, my friends and I within the community got together and wrote a statement and inviting people to recognize that QAnon is a cult they use mind control tactics. It's very strategic. Um, and we ask them just to be aware. Um, and I needed to personally make a stand so that people knew what I believed and perhaps give people languaging around it so that they could push back a little bit if they needed to. Some points of identification so they can recognize whether or not they're being recruited. Um, and a space that they can go to also to affirm their concerns. And that was my, as a leader in the community, as someone who's older, um, I just felt like this was what I had to take a stand for. Now, the problem though, with what we did because I did not know it would go viral. I thought it was going to stay very kind of contained in my community. The yoga community and wellness community is vast. There are communities of wellness, not a community of wellness. Yeah. And it, when I spoke, it made it sound as if I was speaking for all the communities of wellness that exist. And that's not the case. It was really kind of like my small little, you know, faction. Um, so I think it's important to recognize that there needs to be diversity uh, in these communities. There needs to be Republicans and, and Democrats and um, libertarians and free thinkers, all of it. There has to be space for it. And we also have to recognize that there's something that's more complex that's happening, that we may be, we may be being manipulated. Um, I even recognize that after I posted and it did go viral and I was interviewed a lot, I got thousands of comments on my page when I posted. And as I started to study the, the comments, I realized that I was a pawn. In my own way, I opened my platform to bots, to hardcore QAnon recruiters, to come into the comment section and radicalize. And I got to really watch the way in which they did it. I got to figure out what a bot is, the way they would um, antagonize and create conversation, uh, divide take on personas, use nonviolent communication as a way to engage 
and then redirect people to sites or literature that when I would look it up, were all QAnon related. It was spectacular. And I realized that um, the strategy, if I was someone running a cult, there's so much of what they did that's textbook, textbook perfect. And I fell into it myself by leaving my platform open to these infiltrators who count on people like me to give them access to uh, the community. And I realized like, oh, that was, if I was looking to do that, that's what I would do too. Like, like I just gave them an, a free reign. I don't regret doing what I did, but it was a learning experience, yeah. recognizing that the infiltration ran much more strategically than I could have imagined. Talk about, you said earlier, you know, you give people um, advice on how they can know or feel if they are being targeted for recruitment. What does that look like? Well, it starts with, um, it depends on the circumstance. COVID is a hoax and sex trafficking is kind of the, the sex trafficking is really the lowest hanging fruit of getting people engaged in that. Um, and because people are, of course, outraged about sex trafficking. As who you should be. be. Yeah, who wouldn't be? Um, then there's what's called Q drops. And Q drops give just enough information that then take you to another rabbit hole, then another rabbit hole, then another rabbit hole. And there's just enough truth in it, to your point, Tal, that it gets seductive. And again, it starts to speak to the part that knows something's wrong, but doesn't know how to name it. And suddenly someone is starting to name it. And it's speaking to what is a natural distrust of, of our government or of authority. I don't pe blame people for not trusting our government or our authority. There's a lot of evidence not to, but this is going in a whole other direction that transcends, you know, just common sense. So, yeah, the complexities of it run so deep and how to help someone It's impossible unless I'm there and seeing what they're being fed to be able to say to them, that's a bot. I mean, for the most part, you could tell it's a bot if you, uh, you go to their, uh, let's say it's on Instagram, if you go to their Instagram page and they have zero. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Zero followers or zero posts. And they have a, a, an underscore and a bunch of numbers uh, next to some random name. Odds are they're a bot. Um, and I just block them. And, um, uh, but there's so many different ways to go down these rabbit holes. There's not just one way to investigate. It really depends on the circumstances of the way in which I would advise someone just to be careful. What I would recommend is that people go to a conspirituality podcast and listen up on what they're doing incredible work, helping people to understand and unpack these conspiracy theories and the strategies behind them. Uh, and they do ongoing, I don't even know how many they have right now, but that's an important one right now for people if they're interested in understanding these nuances more than I can explain. It is fascinating that you were saying because the brilliance of trapping the fringe to get people interested. Like you said, you know, sex trafficking, who wouldn't care about that? I think the wellness community also started with the, and it's very anti-vax and wellness, a lot of people in wellness are anti-vax. So I feel like that blended very easily too. Um, and then the ideas of the tracking and the very anti-government. Yeah. Um, Cause it was interesting. I was finding like in the Kundalini community, you know, I don't know if you knew this too. At one point with the George Floyd, they were saying that he was a crisis actor and that was a huge setup. And that's the stuff that drives me crazy because I'm like, okay, again, let's go down this path. I'll give you that. Even if that crazy idea is true and he was a crisis actor and it was a setup, there's still a race problem in this country. Like there's still something to react to because you would see, you get, as to your point, you see people get so involved in the narrative, almost feeling like they're part of the heroic journey. I remember seeing like, you would see these women ripping down people's signs for Black Lives Matters and not just ripping it down because they didn't believe in it, but saying this was a setup and you're falling for it and like enraged about it. And again, it's like, but falling for what? Even if it were a setup, it's still a problem. So again, it's like going that extra step to think about it. But I do find the I, how you, you said the targeting, how it's targeted so many type of people and what it did, what he, it did really well was, I, you never would think like the extreme left would all of a sudden be with the extreme right. Mm -hmm. And they're very much hovering together now, which is fascinating. It's, it's incredible. It is incredible, especially when QAnon, you go down that path, they've got their roots in anti-science They've got their roots in white supremacy culture. Um, I don't know why anyone would bask in that shadow, and yet they've been incredibly effective to touch the traumatized parts in people that are looking to be heard. Like to me, I, I feel that, like for the anti vaxxers and for, uh, COVID is a hoax. Who are most impacted by COVID? It's people of color. Right. Who are most impacted? 
if you don't get vaccines. It's folks on the margins. It's easy to say, to, to lean back and say, this is a hoax and I don't wanna do that. When our privileges keep us insulated, it's incredibly racist and uncaring um, to resist some of these wellness practices because it doesn't serve you. You've got to look, we've got to look bigger picture to your point. And I do think that QAnon has found a way, has found that spot of paranoia within the progressive left that has been wanting recognition. Hmm. But I also think it, it really shows the deep level of uncaring towards our communities, um, towards others. I think there's a great article out there that talks about uh, trauma bonding between the alt-right and the alt-left, which when I read it, it really made sense. And it's, an, it's amazing that this marriage has come together. Um, but, you know, all I can say is that racism is real. Marginalization is happening. It's deeply systemic. And if we want to transform it, we need to redirect our attention onto things that we can actually change and serve for the greater good. Um, we have to engage politically. We have to vote in a different level of leadership um, that puts humanity uh, above economy and that cares about equity and acknowledges that racial terrorism has never ended, <laughs> not since enslavement. It's never ended. It's just changed faces, or rather it's just, it's just evolved in different ways, including mass incarceration. These are the things that we need to be paying attention to right now, not pandemic and uh, spending resources to try to figure out these conspiracies. Um, there's real suffering that has to get eradicated. And then we can look at the other shit later on. We can really break it all down and, and, and you know, unpack some of these, these ideas. But let's start with becoming anti-racist. Let's be proactive individually to take accountability. And if you wanna change the system, change yourself and then run for office. Get involved in the system. It's only made up of people. Change the people, you change the system. And so really that, that's how I feel. It's a very complex time. I'm grateful for practices. Um, and I'm hopeful that folks will be mindful when it comes to these conspiracy theories, recognizing who gets hurt. If you continue down these rabbit holes, who really suffers? Who really dies as a result um, of this misinformation? You know, it's in, you've said a couple of things there, and one of them that got me, which kind of made me realize why I got so angry at times since March 14th was, I, yeah, I would stare. I mean, look, social media is a huge part of all of our lives, you know, whether we want it to be or not. And I would look, and sometimes it was either the messaging or the lack of messaging. 
that would make me so infuriated because it's what you just said. It's like in a weird way, you don't realize that you're choosing not to care about your neighbors and the rest of the people in our community. And that is what used to really upset me. And I would sit here and stare and be like, like you said, I think because everything's happening at once between COVID and Black Lives Matter having a resurgence and like the election, I mean, everything it's, you see it more, you can't hide, you couldn't, no one can hide from that. And it really would enrage me because it did feel like it was very easy for people to ignore, like you said, that part of what the practice should be. Yeah. Yeah. And just acknowledge that people are just scared. So instead of projecting that fear all over everything and everyone and looking for a reason, go inward and manage that fear, you know, engage with it, be in relationship with that fear and then act from compassion and love for the perceived other who is suffering because of divisions that are set up via policy that are giving a lot to some and very little to other others. That needs to be prioritized. Um, not all this other fantastical thinking um, when it really when it really is absurd. There are bad people in the world, yes. But there's also a lot of really good people. And for some of these conspiracies to exist, it would be, it would require every scientist in our entire world lying, yep. being in on it. It would require governments who would be able to come up with a vaccine being like, yeah, we're going to withhold because, you know, we got that microchip thing happening that, that Gates is working on and we don't, we can't get that vaccine out there, you know, until he can microchip everyone. Just the level of organization that would have to happen on a mass scale is just, it's just absurd and it's hurtful. Well, one of the things that you're pointing on that I have found about Q that is point that is really shine a light on us as a country is just how narcissistic we are. Yeah. Because if you go down any of the rabbit holes of any of these, it doesn't make sense because it is a global pandemic. And like you just said, for some of the stuff that's being purported about Trump and what he's going to do would have to involve the organ. And that's what I used to say. I'm like, so how are they organizing every single country and every other people? Like it's, if it were just something that broke out on the U.S., maybe you could probably convince people more. But the fact that so many people are on board and not realizing the impossibility, knowing that this is a global pandemic, it's not just about the players in our field anymore, just shows the narcissism of which most of us walk with every single day in this country. We're just a very narcissistic society. Well, what I would, like, what I would love to be able to show people is since I posted, I've had to manage an enormous amount of hate um, emails and messaging that have come my way from people who are hardcore Q supporters. And in one sentence, they tell me that I'm a pedophile, that um, I support uh, sex traffickers, and then use language towards me that is so sexually violent. And that's been consistent so sexually violent. And I wish I could show people like, yep. here's the congruency of this. Do you see this response 
They're telling, they're saying that all we want to do is save the children. And then they're using language on me that threatens my body. Um, they don't care about sex trafficking. That's not what they're here for. It's something else. And we're being manipulated. Um, that's the kind of thing like I wish I could one day like put together and show like here are the people that you're putting your faith in. This is this is who they actually are um, when they get challenged. Um, they're not coming at me and providing me with any common sense e evidence. They're threatening my body. So uh, and also super homophobic because a lot of them haven't even uh, spent the time to figure out that, that I'm a woman, um, because of my name. Yep. So they keep referring to me as a he and also saying incredibly homophobic, uh, things to me as well as threatening me, uh, sexually in that regard as well. So it's been fascinating to say like, okay, these are the people that, that, you're defending and saying like, no, they care about everybody. They, they, they care about the children. And, um, my experience with the hardcore cue, I mean, there's certainly a lot of people in the yoga community who are just, they're just genuinely confused and don't haven't gone deep enough to understand where this is going to, who, who is managing this. Um, but I'd love them, for them to understand that there are real people behind this who do not care about anybody's health, wellness, or welfare. They care about Donald Trump getting elected and they will do everything that they can in their power to divide communities and redirect the attention onto this party um, in the hopes of getting him reelected. Re you know, it's interesting because there is a parallel, and I mean, I hate to say it, but I think you probably agree too, of what he has done. And like you said, he's followed a little bit of the a formula of which the wellness community lived on. I mean, there are plenty of communities that whether they intend to do it overtly or not, create a very cult-like atmosphere. Um, not necessarily a cult, like people have freedom to leave and, you know, go and come. However, there becomes, I mean, I know I've been uncomfortable in different environments. It's one of the reasons I started the den was because I was like, I just want a place everyone feels like they could go in and out of, and they don't have to eat a certain way, talk a certain way, dress a certain way, because I felt like that, um, even if it naturally happened. But I think the fact that the wellness community has kind of, a lot of it has warped in with Q shows you there is this need of belonging that I feel like the wellness community in some ways has very much learned to take advantage of as well. There's many groups where, right, you feel like if you're not eating the right foods, you don't belong in that group or you have to dress a certain way. Or, you know, if you don't go deeper in those specific studies, then you're never going to go far in your evolution or your ascension. Whatever it is, it's this guilt of like, this is the path. This is how you do it. And if you're not doing it this way, eh. Um, and I've at least noticed some of those communities are the ones that have really followed it hard, um, whether they say it or not, they might not be using the words, but like, but like you said, you can tell from the language that they're putting out there that they're following it. So it's just a really interesting thing that as someone who's part of this community, I find fascinating and 
something I think we just have to be really wary of, of like, what's the line? When are some people doing it, quote unquote, for the good? And some people are doing it, quote unquote, for the bad. And which one is right? Which one's wrong? And where's that line? Yeah. I, that's why I said, stay in community, stay with family and friends. Try not to isolate uh, during this time that we're all deeply overwhelmed because of COVID, because of racial terrorism, because of national unrest, people are grieving. There's unimaginable loss, loss of lives, loss of income, loss of proms, graduations, weddings, funerals, people dying and, and being witnessed if they're lucky only through um, FaceTime. This is a tragic, really traumatic time for a lot of people and we're all stressed. Our anxiety levels are, are heightened and it's easy to fear is a familiar, uh, our impulse is like I said in the meditation, our impulse is to create control. We just wanna control um, everything that's happening and we're looking to, for something to sink our teeth into. So process the feelings as they come up, do your yoga, do your meditation, get in the program, stay in the program, uh, find a therapist, talk to your friends and partners about your, the, the, the overwhelm that you're experiencing and don't be afraid to cry, to rage, to scream, but discharge the, the animal energy that we're internalizing. This is an unprecedented moment and we're all trying to make sense of the incomprehensible and the, the leadership is not helping us to feel secure. So this is a time where we are vulnerable and finding community makes us feel less alone. And Q has geniusly found its hooks into community, not just the wellness community. They're, they, they're all over the place. Um, Brilliant shows how to pull people in. So we have to be just as, as mindful um, to process what's coming up for ourselves and also stay in relationship with our friends and our families and check in on people, make sure they're okay, see how they're feeling, what's coming up for them, invite them into a dialogue about their concerns and offer support uh, in whatever way you can so that people don't feel so alone during this really complex time. Um, I think that that's the best thing we can do. And it's what propelled me to make that statement because I wanted people to know that I, that I was not disinterested in this conversation, that it affects me as well. And this is, if you need a space to feel seen, valued, heard because of your own concerns, then I can provide that, that alternate to, uh, to that pathway of QAnon. Um, that's why I think right now we have to be super present with each other when, even though we're isolated, that we have to remember that we are always better together. So you reach out to your friends, but you check in with yourself as well and make sure you're not going down your own rabbit hole of despair um, and looking for allyship to affirm that this world is a crazy place. Um, there are other ways that we can process so we can be more present to this moment rather than acting out. How, I, I think that's all amazing stuff and how, how 
how do you suggest people have the difficult conversations or how have you had the difficult conversations when you've seen some of your peers, you know, all of a sudden supporting QAnon or, you know, falling on maybe, you know, voting for Trump or whatever. How do you have these conversations in a successful way that doesn't end up with people screaming at each other? <laughs> it's not, it's not easy. I have had the conversations. I've had to let them know. I usually just put it on myself and just let them know I'm not open to this conversation. I'm not open to receiving any more of this uh, information. Um, this radically goes against what I personally believe. And I let them know that I'm, I'm concerned that some of this misinformation may be influencing them and ask if they'd be open to having a conversation with me. Um, I'd love to hear more of their thoughts, and but only if they're open to hearing some of mine. What I'm not open to is when people try to engage me in the conversation because they just want to recruit me on their side. But I will have a mindful conversation and try my best to stay titrated in my own nervous system so that I don't react, that I listen and try to um, engage a conversation and offer an alternative viewpoint. I also, though, at the end of the conversation, I have to make sure that my agenda isn't getting them to believe what I believe. My agenda is to be heard and to hear them and to try to stay as grounded and as mindful in the conversation as I can. I think that that's the only way for a conversation to flow. But if I come at someone dogmatically, like you're just fucked up and wrong, no one's going to listen to me in the same way I wouldn't listen to them. And if they give me information, I, I say the only way that I'll even be open to reading this is if you promise me that you'll read what I'm going to send you and we can discuss both later. And usually there's way more questions that I have in their literature where it's like, where's the evidence for this? Um, then there is when I give literature because there, there is science that backs um, much of the information that I, that I have found in relationship to being anti-Q. Now, as a leader in this space, how many relationships that you've cultivated in these years have changed because of this? They haven't changed in a way that would be where there was a screaming match and it's adversarial. Uh, but there'll be some healing that needs to happen. I would have to say that after this election, there will be a few uh, teachers that I will sit down with. Um, and I hope to be able to hear them and be heard by them. But I haven't really had any major fractures in my relationships. But I also think that's because no one's surprised that, you know, my friends and colleagues, they know that I'm not going to be silent and that I, I take a stand for what it is that I believe. I, I, my behavior is not different. They no. might not agree or appreciate me using my voice in this way. They may think that I'm wildly misinformed, which is what I get told um, often. <laughs> um, and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, but this is, this is what I will stand for. Um, you know, it's just, it's just also funny to me because I'm also aware of the very same language that they use on me, Sean, do the research. I want to say the same thing to them. Do the research. It, it, they, the I, know, I know they hear me 
as radically as I'm hearing them. Like I get that. So I do think that I've been careful not to let these, my relationships dissolve over this. Um, but I am going to wait until the temperature gets turned down a bit, uh, before I really confront some of the significant folks in my life who I think have been doing, um, some harm. I mean, I've called them out, but I'm still, and will always be, you know, loving and mindful. There's a couple though. It, it'll be a little bit harder, um, to heal some of those fractures only because their level of commitment to the disinformation has really hurt folks. And I will hope that they will take accountability for that going forward but it won't affect, I mean, I will always love all these people that I've been in relationship with, but it doesn't mean I have to hang out with them. Going. Do you remember the first moment that your yoga practice in New York became, like you said, about making everything whole, about making it right? Like where you actually felt the stimulation of activism? Do you remember the first moment that kind of made you realize they go hand in hand? Well, I had always been, um, I had always been very engaged uh, um, in my activism since I was around 18. Uh, I was part of National Organization of Women and the Women's Action Coalition. I would have been a radical activist uh, in relationship to um, uh, being uh, pro-choice. Uh, but it lived elsewhere, independent of my yoga practice. Um, and there was a lack of congruency because my activism was always angry and intense. And I was always against something. And I think what shifted for me was probably in the nineties where I really had to look at, well, what am I for? And how can I channel the anger in a little bit of a different way to be a part of a conversation and be disruptive, but integrated at the same time. And I think that it was Probably, probably about 17 years or so ago, when I actually started working at, in sex trafficking um, here in, in Van Nuys at Children of the Night, um, uh, teaching yoga asana um, to children who had been severely, you know, sexually and psychologically abused, children between the ages of 11 and 17. And I think that that was where those children held a mirror up to my own trauma and helped me to recognize that my own healing was dependent upon being in relationship with the perceived other. Mm -hmm. And that really shifted the way I showed up in my activism. There was no separation for me at that point anymore. I, it couldn't be separated. That oppression was real and that I was a part of it. And I think that that's when my experience started to mature a little bit more. And I recognized that yoga is social justice and yoga is animal rights and yoga is environmental justice and indigenous sovereignty and yoga is anywhere and everywhere where there is separation, pain, suffering, and division. 
and that we have to or organize towards it in order to transform it. And it's been that way for me ever since. So I'm, I stand by my convictions and the practice supports it. It invites you to look at the clashes, for example, your ignorance. It's all right there in the text. You know, it, it doesn't say, you know, go run and hide and, you know, live in your little bubble. It says self-study. Look at the areas of ignorance within yourself. Understand the nuances of it. Get to the truth within yourself and heal it. Um, expand it and bear witness to it in others. It's all there. So I think it was probably around 17 years ago for me that it really, the marriage was just so crystal clear and it has been ever since. That's amazing. Um, I want to conclude with this question because, you know, one of the things I was walking the other day and I was wearing, I have a shirt that I've had forever. It's like a tank top and has America on it. It's like very benign. And I like felt super guilty wearing it. It was weird. I was like, oh my God, I feel really guilty wearing this. And I'm like, wait, that's ridiculous. Like, and by the way, it's not even red. It's like a gray old t-shirt. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, somehow Trump has co-opted the name America. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like you're either pro-America or you're not pro-America, which is ridiculous. Um, and it, in my mind, it just became very clear. It's like, oh, there's just two very different versions yeah. of what we want and see America being. And I think it's become very clear that there's two very different versions. How do we see ourselves internationally? How do we think other people see us? How do we want to operate internally? And I just found that very fascinating, though, that he's done such kind of in his own right, a brilliant job of making you're either pro or anti it. And there's no version of two versions of your pro we're each pro these versions so what does your america look like oh god um i mean you're right to your point trump has branded america um, <laughs> in such a way that to align with that particular america means that i have to abandon my values my america my america looks like a place that is just and equal and fair, safe, liberated, free, peace-filled, loving for all beings everywhere. A place where all people have access to resources that they deserve. A place uh, where people have access to education, um, where regardless of your uh, color, um, when it comes to mass incarceration, that the, that the playing field is level for all people whether you have money or not, the color of your skin or not, um, where we put humanity first, where we put resources towards healing our collective and individual trauma, where we recognize that we came into the, the karma of our nation is nihilistic, it's death, it's genocide, and we've never healed it. And all of us, are impacted by our unwillingness to look back at our dark history of in, in, in indigenous genocide as well as enslavement and look inward about the impact that that trauma has on all of us. And I wish we could do the work to name it, to claim it, to unpack it, to look at it, um, to provide restitution 
Um, even someone like myself, I mean, my family's Jewish Polish. It's like, what did they have to do with the slaves? It wasn't their fault, but I benefited from the America that was built on the black of, uh, on the back of enslavement. So I have to deal with that as well. My family has benefited for years and years, and I've never had to look at that. Um, that's what I would like to see from our America is that we purify psychologically, where we take accountability without any shame and willing to hold a bigger picture of what equity truly looks like and do everything in our power to work towards that so that all beings can be liberated, so that all beings can be free. And I know that that's idealistic, but I will live the rest of my life, at least in my body, working towards that possibility. Um, otherwise, I'm the problem. I wish you could hear applause because I feel like that deserves a huge round of applause. That it's um, That's amazing. And it's funny because going back to what we were talking about, how people like to woo-woo this stuff away and they like to, you know, love and light it away. It's so interesting because when you go to the woo-woo place, you hear in yoga and, you know, meditation all the time, like, you know, it's all quantum physics. There's no timeline. So you are literally present with your ancestors and you're present with your future lineage. You're all present. So you would think actually, if you're living in that place, you would feel exactly and want to do exactly what you're saying. You'd want to do the work because you'd know that you are part of what happened. Even if you feel separated, you can't be separated from it. Right on. Absolutely. That's absolutely. And uh, that's the gift of what we get to do. And that's what I always try to remind myself. Like it's uncomfortable, it's messy, it's painful, and we get to do it. We have the tools, we have the community support, we have the resources. Now we just have to actually use them and pass them on to our children. So it becomes normalized within their consciousness to take responsibility and accountability because we all benefit if we do. All of us benefit. Amazing. I, I always love talking to you and I always appreciate you because you are really such an inspiration. I know you hear it all the time, but it is true. Um, you, the work that you are doing, and I know your words alone, your words alone change people because they changed me. So that's why I love having you on here because if your words can just change one other person, it will just keep spiraling. And so I appreciate it. So I will tell everyone, if you guys have any questions, you can either raise your hand. It's at the bottom of the participant thing and I can call on you or you can put it in the chat. I'm going to ask Sean like a couple just funny random questions as you guys kind of figure that out. Um, but feel free to do that if you have anything um, and then we can unmute you or if you don't want to be seen, just put it in the chat. Um, so what out of all of the QAnon, what is your, what are your favorite? Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Things like I have a couple that I'm like, again, that just makes no sense. Oh, I mean, so many of them. I mean, really the, the whole pizza gate, the whole cabal, I think that that's the, the one that just makes me roll my eyes. Um, you know, drinking the blood of children. You know, I think that that's really what it, that's the one that just, I can't get my head around. I love also the JFK Jr. one that, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, I'm like, okay, so JFK Jr. faked a death to die so he could live somewhere hidden, even though he had one of the grandest and best lives yeah. so that he could follow Trump around and wait for this moment. And he's going to come out now as a Trump supporter. That's his big reveal. This is the moment he's been hiding out for the whole time. Like, again, it's just like, 
put it together, guys. Like that just doesn't. Yeah. Sure. Maybe he faked a death, but there's probably a different reason for it. And it's probably not just for all these years to come. Like, but you know, when I hear something like that, what I think about is the parents of Carolyn, his wife and sister who died along with him, the grief and the suffering that they went through and are continuing to go through. Then to have the, these people talk that this was faked and that their children's death um, was uh, some kind of conspiracy and didn't count, that their experience doesn't count. That's the piece that gets me is where's the compassion? There are real people behind these narratives that need to be understood and you're excavating. This is not just like, you know, you know, fodder for gossip. There are real people behind these experiences that will never recover from this loss. So and th that's the kind of shit that makes that well, makes crazy. A challenger one. I mean, you grew up with the, cha I mean, I'm sure you've heard that, that the challenger was explosion was also a fake so that they could do a, get out of the space program to do a secret space program. And we were watching, you know, the Netflix challenge, there's a challenger doc right now. And I remember saying, Again, knowing the U.S. and knowing that we like to be number one in everything, there's a million different ways to get out of the space program that doesn't involve you showing that you've killed all these people and exploded that make you look actually really bad at what you do. Like Again, it's like I just wish people would go two more steps. It's like, sure, maybe they do have a secret space program going on. Let's say that's the basis of the truth. Yeah. There's 10 different ways more that you could make that happen that make more sense that would still keep the US looking better than what happened. And like you said, and how awful knowing, yeah. I mean, anyone around my age knows, you know exactly where you were when that happened because we were all sitting down watching it in school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so let's get to, we have a couple questions. Um, I can answer this, but I'll have you do it. What was the podcast that you recommended that was addressing the different conspiracies? Yeah, uh, a cons it's called Conspirituality. And it's with um, Julian Walker, and Derek Barris and Matthew Remsky, I believe. And that was Debbie. And Debbie, you can also find it on, they. if you go on Instagram, they have a page there too. And so you can easily link to their episodes. Um, from Nicole, if you could sit down with both presidential candidates, what three things would you speak to each of them about? Hmm. God. Question. I, if I could talk with Trump, if I can get past my own anger, <laughs> and my own, you know, projection and judgment. Um, I want to know what his trauma is. I want to understand what you have to, to be that apathetic, to not care about other people's lives to the capacity that he's shown evidence of not caring can only mean that you don't care about your own self the self-loathing that he compensates for with this bravado, I, I would wanna know what happened and how does it feel to be in that body at his most vulnerable moments? What is the pain that he feels if he let himself feel? Now, obviously, I would never be in a situation where I could ask someone these kind of intimate questions. It's a lot of assumption on my part. But I, that's what I would want to know is, dude, what happened? And do you want to change it? Um, are you willing to, to, to heal this broken part of yourself? 
to come into wholeness. I think that that's what I would want to know. Um, with Biden, and I mean, there's a zillion questions I would have. You know, again, I want to go deeper than just like the random, like you know, you know, what about this fracking? Um, you know, that that doesn't interest me. Biden is a man who has managed grief and loss in a way that none of us ever will. I know that if Trump wasn't who he is in the world, Biden wouldn't be doing this. He'd be hanging with his grandchildren. Yep. He'd be retired. He would be living a more quiet life. He's worked hard. He's an older man. I know that there is something within his nature because it's the antithesis of Donald Trump in terms of what happens in terms of the nervous system. Um, Donald Trump's nervous system is, it makes you deregulate. Whereas Biden's nervous system, it, it helps for certain people. It helps with regulation. The tone of his voice, his body language helps people like me exhale. Um, he's doing an incredible service, even in the midst of, he's still grieving his son. I would want to know if how he processes the responsibility of this moment, if it terrifies him, if he doesn't win, if he will feel that he has left, uh, lets a nation down, and how will he live with that within himself, whether or not he did enough to try to uh, end this situation that we find ourselves in. I, I think my questions would always go more emotional. I'm just that kind of person. Uh, Me too. Yeah, I'm not that superficial that way. Um, we used to joke when I used to meet with writers all the time and most writer meetings are like, they're funny, they're this. I can't tell you how many meetings have ended with like grown men crying, like on the couch. And like, then they'd always be so embarrassed. So like, what's happening? And like the rest of the people in my department would be like, uh, it happens all the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but it was the same thing. Cause like I get into like, I want to know the emotional stuff. And so, and they're not used to that. So I get it. Yeah. It, it's funny when you were talking about your question to Trump, God, this was so, it was probably right around when he got in. So what, three years ago, I was in a meditation, a pretty deep meditation. I don't remember what it was exactly that brought me here, but Trump came up and I had this overwhelming, I'm sure some of these people have heard me say this before, this overwhelming sense of love because of what you were talking about, this very seeing clearly the pain and the trauma of what he experiences every day and how he feels like here all the time. And look, I'm, you're in meditation, you lose a little bit of the, you know, the err, and it was just an outpouring of love. And I was in tears yeah. for him because it was so awful of, you know, and in that moment as a human, all I wanted to do was make that person feel better. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, I think that that's, that's how I feel as well. Like on a, again, on a soul level, on a personality level, you know, I have no problem with him going to jail. Like no problem at all, but on a soul level, I hope he gets the healing that he needs, whether in this lifetime or in other lifetimes. But I, I do hope he learns these lessons 
and I, I hope his own soul can be free because it's got to be in pain. Oh, and I can sure. be all over the place, but um, you know, that's what I carry in my heart. Um, from Janine, um, should we challenge friends who seem to be going down conspiracy theory rabbit holes intentionally? I, I think you can challenge people for sure. Just try always to let love lead, like be really sensitive that this is a, this is a person you're in relationship with. This is a person that you love. You know stories about their family, about their children. Um, odds are. So try to remain mindful, remain compassionate, ask questions, check in with your own defensiveness, your own triggers, um, because they're not going to hear you if you're coming from a place of judgment. Um, this is a great opportunity to practice um, sincere compassion. Um, but that doesn't mean you're passive in your pushback. Um, you know, let them know how you feel and why you feel it. Try to get as informed as you can so that you don't get overwhelmed in the rhetoric or in their argument and get confused, uh, which is very easy to do. And I also part of the strategy. So try to find out as much information as you can so that you can present it uh, reasonably. That's what I would recommend. Um, does anyone else have any questions before we wrap up? Do you have any staunch Trump supporters in your life? Yeah, yeah, within my own family. Yeah, me too. It's hard. Yeah, it's very, very hard. Um, yeah, it's difficult. But I, I keep reminding myself that it's as diff their experience of me is as diff difficult as my experience of them. My ex their experience of me is even worse because I have a public platform. And so I know it infuriates, you know, some of them. Uh, we just, we're very mindful with each other. Um, around the, the subjects. We've definitely touched upon it, uh, but I, you know, and I, they know how I feel. Um, it never gets adversarial because they're family and I love them no matter what, you know, no matter what. Um, but I also recognize that their, their faith in Trump also shows me other aspects of their interests that are really problematic to me. And again, when all this is over and our nervous systems are a little bit more de-escalated, there will be space for what I hope is a more mindful conversation, but there definitely needs to be some space and less reactivity, um, not one week before an election, um, knowing that their mind is not gonna change today. Don't you think it might be a little bit though? Because regardless who wins, I feel like it's gonna be intense for a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I really do believe, like, if Biden wins, it's going to be my responsibility as a leader in my community. I, I cannot come out and be like, woohoo. Oh. I have to acknowledge there are a lot of really, there's people who are terrified right now. Their, their experience of Biden is equal in terror as mine is to Trump. Right. And so I've got to make sure that I um, am mindful that people are scared, um, they're grieving. Uh, and I wanna be able to hold space for that. Um, but in time, again, when all of this diffuses, um, there'll be more space, at least in my personal life, for some confrontation. 
You know, I think what I will take the most from this conversation, my nugget of change, you've said it a few times throughout, is that idea of like, you're as radical to them as they are to you. And I feel like that is a really amazing thing in this time to help. Again, it's that version of don't remain neutral, but a way of being able to play in a more neutral way Mm -hmm. and still have a stance. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I'm I'm just going to continue to create that division of us, them, me, you. And I know that, you know, Trump speaks to some really big fears in people, big fears and concerns that are that that are real to them. And Trump's figured out the language to stoke that flame. So I've got to find a way to recognize those fears are real. How do we how do we address it and acknowledge it and come up with some mindful solutions? I hope Biden can. I don't know if he can or not. Um, I don't know. Trump is also a cult of personality. And so I think people who don't even understand politics are just excited, like, yeah, fuck the system and let's drag this down. And he's there dismantling. They love it, not understanding the consequences of this. It's not a reality show. It's real life. And people will die as a result of this kind of fanaticism. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously I'll never, it, I have to work very hard at my neutrality um, and to try to dial down my own edge around it. Um, you know, I work as hard as anybody else on it. Thank God I've got my practice. Uh, otherwise I know I'd be way more combative uh, than I even, than I am. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I know everyone here. I, there's there's already some thank yous in there, but thank you so much. And you guys, this episode will be coming out in the next week or so. So we'll make sure everyone knows. And I just love you and adore you and everything you stand for. And just thank you for being you. Thank you so much, Tal. I love and adore you too. And everyone who's on, thank you all for showing up and vote uh, November 3rd. Get out there and vote and get your 18-year-old kid to vote. Um, go and drive someone who is old or scared to go to the polls, get them out there, volunteer your time, stand online, bring soda and or juice <laughs> and food, um, but participate. Uh, I think that's the best that we can do in these times. At least we can feel that we've engaged um, and are part of trying to create this collective change. So um, I look forward to the day. Like To me, it's a uh, I feel like I've waited four years for this moment. And so I'm excited. I'm sure you are too tall. I am. I voted. I voted. So I was in LA for, I masterminded. I was back in LA for like four days and I changed my mail back to go back to LA. Cause I was like, I know this is all going to happen exactly. And sure enough, the second day I was there, my ballot came. So I voted while I was there, but I mean, I was so lucky. Cause I was like, if it comes to the East coast, it'll never come on time. I was, so I really lucked out. Yeah, I was very excited. I did. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everyone who showed up. I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll see you December 5th. Have a beautiful evening. Have a beautiful rest of your weekend. And Sean, you are amazing. God bless you. I'll see you soon. Big hugs to you all. Absolutely. Bye. Ten Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people. Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. 
Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there.